You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Well, hello and welcome to TFM's local watering hole. I'm just so excited to be here in the 602 Club and excited to have back the one and only Christy Morris. Christy, uh, I'm glad you're back from Neverland. I I didn't know exactly when you were returned, but perfect timing. Uh, I'm actually a Wendy. Just wanted to share. Oh, oh, so sorry. Yeah. So sorry. Uh, I realized eventually I was going to have to grow up. And uh, go to boarding school, I guess. So here I am. Well, it is good to have you back. And uh, excuse me, Wendy. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're excited. We're going to be talking about something new that just landed on Disney Plus called Peter Pan and Wendy uh, by the same director who did Pete's Dragon for them. Uh, but uh, before we dive into the show, of course, you know, you can find us wherever a podcast can be gotten. Uh, that means no matter where you're listening, you'll find the 602 Club and you'll just want to make sure you subscribe and you'll get the shows as soon as they become available. Uh, you can also uh, give us a star rating and review on places like Apple Podcasts or Spotify to help other people find the show. You can also find us online, social media, on Twitter at the 602 Club and on Instagram, we're at the 602 Club TFM. You could also find us over on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm with the entire network. We've got the listeners only discussion group there as well called the Babel Conference. You can just find that by typing that into the search field on Facebook. We're over online at trek.fm and you can see all of the different shows we've got going on. And last but not least, a really important thing, we'll be going over to Patreon at patreon.com slash trekfm to support us to make sure that All of the podcasts here keep coming to you each and every week. Um, We can't do this alone, so please give us your support over at Patreon at patreon.com slash TrekFM. So, Christy, obviously the story of Peter Pan has been around for a very long time, and there's many different ways to have had previous experience with the story, whether it's the, the animated movie, whether it's a play version whether it's a recording of the play, that those are out there as well. Um, you've got the book itself. And so I, I was just kind of wondering uh, what your experience with the story of Peter Pan was and if you had any favorite versions of it coming into this new interpretation. Sure. So I definitely was without a doubt the kid that was raised on the animated 1953 version of Peter Pan. Um, and most familiar with that music and that storyline overall. Um, but I still think my favorite um, has to be Hook from 1991 because, I mean, Robin Williams was incredible. Dustin Hoffman as Hook. Um, and I felt like it still kept a lot of the main core tenets of the Peter Pan story, but had it 
imagined, reimagined in a cool way and in live action. Um, and of course, had the one and only Rufio who can never be forgotten. Um, so I think Hook is my favorite, but I'm most familiar with the animated version from 1953 and Hook um, as far as stories. But I think I remember later I saw the 2000s, early 2000s live action. It's not very memorable. What about you? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I've loved this story for a long time. Of course, grew up with the animated version. And I've actually even seen a recording of the play. Mm. Uh, There was a famous woman, and I cannot recall her name, um, but she was famous for playing uh, Peter Pan because, of course, uh, at that time, uh, you know, the only way to do this and have somebody small enough that could also pull it off um, was to actually have a woman play Peter Pan. And um, so I've seen that. uh, And um, then uh, I, I'm probably going to be super unpopular, um, but I do not like the movie hook whatsoever. Um, (gasps) And it's one of my least favorite films. Um, It's, and and the reason is is because they decided to insert the late 80s into Neverland mm-hmm. and i do not like that because neverland is this place that's meant to be timeless and that movie is completely stuck then in the 80s forever and it doesn't work um Neverland works because it's always this, uh, you know, it's pirates and, you know, all of these things that um, don't have a time period on it, you know. But anytime you watch Hook, when you go to Neverland, you're stuck in the 80s. And so now the storyline for Hook, I think, was really great in the sense of kind of when you talk about the idea of like reimagining and this this idea of that if Peter had actually come home um, mm-hmm. to the real world and gotten married and then kind of lost a bunch of, I think that's great. Like the childish it's innocence. Just, yes, yes. Well, and, and just what it meant to be like, there's a part of us that, of course, need to grow up. To not lose the wonder and the joy of life, you know, mm-hmm. and so absolutely, uh, I think that stuff is all great in that film. It's really just the production choices of, you know, the Lost Boys basically being like a skater bike gang. Um, the modernization of it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I just hated it. I hate it. Hate it. I, I couldn't hate it more um, because it. It just doesn't work for me. So, um, <laughs> and, uh, and all on it. So they, there was a movie that came out called pan a few years back, um, with Hugh Jackman. And that is absolutely not memorable and not good, but there is a version of Peter Pan from 2003 and Jason Isaacs, uh, who was Lucius Malfoy. Uh, yes, the Harry Potter that films. is the one that I saw in theaters. And so I actually love that movie. And and to me, it's it's been, I think, um, one of the better adaptations because it, having read J.M. Barry's book, it gets as close as I've ever seen to understanding what the actual themes of that are. Um, and... 
which is a question I, I wanted to uh, I wondered with you if you have actually ever gotten a chance to read his his book. No, I've never read the book and I've never seen the play. Okay. Okay. Well, I would, I mean, more than anything for anyone who's listening, I would highly encourage, check out the book. It is, you know, we all kind of think, especially with movies that were done by Disney, that's the version that kind of gets stuck in our heads. And it's not a bad thing, but these stories, you know, had a life before Disney took them on. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, and sometimes they can be different than what we expect. And and one of the things with uh, the the story in the book is that it's quite different in the thematic elements that it's it's um, working at, uh, and it's it's really deep and it's kind of melancholy as a story, which you wouldn't expect. Uh, and so, yeah, and, and to me, in many ways, the, the, the 2003 version is the only one that kind of picked up on a lot of those story elements. Uh, and so, because I didn't know, I mean, this is definitely something I want to talk to you about, because this movie not only makes changes to the story from what we know from, like, the animated version... But it also makes a lot of changes here from, you know, the book, of course, itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I wanted to talk through those with you because I think some of them are, are interesting choices and some of them I'm really struggling with. So one of them is the fact that instead of Peter being the original Lost Boy, it's actually James Hook who is the original Lost Boy. Um, and they were best friends, which is interesting choice, uh, and were lost boys together. And then James misses his mother. And so Peter banishes him. And so that banishment leads to James getting lost at sea, picked up by pirates who then raise him and he becomes their captain and they return to Neverland what what did you think about that? Because that's a actually very big change from any version of the story that's ever been out there. That was the biggest change that I could not get on board with with this movie. Because the idea itself doesn't sound like a bad thing. Like you're going, okay, if you're doing a retelling, a reimagining, uh, you know, because every time you're going to have a new iteration, something's got to be a little different to justify the retelling. Right. Um, right. The initial idea of the two of them being best friends is not a bad idea. However, having the reason that Peter banishes him be that he missed his mother is not a good enough reason for a best friend to banish forever his best mm. friend. Yeah. I think even though you are basing it on a kid that never wants to grow up and it's about, you know, um, not having responsibility and all of that, there's still a reason that Peter misses his own mother. So that also doesn't make it make sense to me. So yeah. I think that it's just a very thin story to base their entire relationship on. 
and that you needed something like the choices they made for Hook in the 91 movie to give Hook enough motivation to become as bad as he is to where he is trying to kill people. And at one point in this movie does kill Peter and thankfully Tiger Lily is able to bring him back. You know what I mean? Like I just, mm-hmm. I felt yeah. like, like I said, it was just a weak story for that. Yeah. You bring up a really good point about the way in which having them have this back and forth and having Hook feeling betrayed by Peter because he's been banished for a thing that, you know, and you would think that this is kind of a normal experience for anyone. Um, And Peter can't deal with the fact that um, somebody would want to grow up, which, of course, you know, it would be a way of reminding Peter that there is a possibility out there that there's something he's missing. And, of course, he doesn't want to be reminded of that at all. And I I couldn't agree with you more that the, the problem with this is that it really, it does not work very well uh, to create a reason for Hook to be bad. Yeah. You know, um, and and a big part of that, I think, is because... The original story has Captain Hook basically being the adult version of Peter who can't move past something, right? And is stuck in this loop. Um, and in that loop, it's it's that he's angry because he doesn't have what he wants and what what Hook wants more than anything is, is in all honesty, is to find and to have love. Like, mm-hmm. Peter has that from many different people, actually, which is why Hook is so angry with him. Um, everybody loves Peter, right? Like, in, mm-hmm. in, in the original story, um, Wendy falls in love with Peter. Tink, Tinkerbell is in love with Peter. Tiger Lily is in love with Peter. The Everybody's in love with yeah, everyone is in love with Peter, but the problem is is that Peter will not allow himself to grow up and therefore he can never reciprocate those feelings mm-hmm. um in a way that, you know, normal adults be have the ability to do. And so I I could not agree with you more that there is a massive issue here with the fact that you have these two characters at odds with one another. And to have one be willing to murder the other, um, and the reason for that murderous rage is because one banished the other um, from Neverland because they thought of their mother, and now I'm really ready to kill that person. It's a little weird. A little odd. Um, And so I, I... I think you really nailed something that is a huge issue with the film. Um, but on top of that, right? Like them having this relationship together also leads Peter to have a breakthrough at the end of the film, but then they won't let Peter just stay 
with, you know, the darlings at the end. If you're going to change the story this much, I, I think it feels really disingenuous to have Peter make the decision to... He's had this major breakthrough with Hook. He's had this major breakthrough with this understanding of, like, what it means to be a friend and, and all these type of things. And then all of a sudden, we're going to regress him to not choosing to stay with this new family, basically. I, I did mm-hmm. not understand that at all. It did feel like there was something missing, even in that scene itself, you know, that he and Wendy are having that deep conversation on the roof. And he's talking about how he does miss his own mother and doesn't really remember her at this point. And then it's like, mm-hmm. well, great talk. Bye. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> what happened? Good talk. Yeah. <laughs> But I've decided I don't want to be here. Bye-bye. <laughs> I, yes. I, I think, yes. No, I, I'm so glad you said that because you're absolutely right. Again, like, there's just something so odd about this choice. And it, it doesn't really, like, it doesn't seem to make sense. And I, I think you have, like, pinpointed exactly. It just feels like there's something missing scene-wise or something that would help explain okay, we've had this major growth for this character in a way that, you know, because you're telling the story like this, you know, Peter's never grown like this um, or never had this type of growth. And so the fact then that he has, but then doesn't take it all the way, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Because in the original story... Peter just refuses to grow up. He refuses like he that's not what he wants. He he rejects it completely. And anything that has to do with growing up. Um and that's more logically consistent than having a character have this major breakthrough emotionally, which is a big part of growing her up, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden being like, eh, I don't think so. Yeah. No, I'm with so. you. Yeah, it's weird. The other, I I would say for me, one of the biggest issues uh, in this movie is the fact that the original story is about Wendy coming to Neverland on the cusp of womanhood, right? Like she's Mm -hmm. on the cusp of making that massive change as a teenager where everything begins to change. You know, you begin to have all of these feelings and like everything's changing and she falls in love with Peter and Peter rejects that and can never give her what she wants because she can't experience, he can't experience that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this juxtaposition between, you know, hook again, longing for that and seeing the fact that that's what, Peter's rejecting, which makes him more angry at Peter for rejecting this very thing he's looking for. And of course, it's the very thing that as well leads Wendy to not staying in Neverland because she desires in the end. She realizes what she wants is that growing up. And so I I, I was really bothered by this because the way they write the story where basically Wendy ends up becoming the savior of the film also doesn't work for me 
mm-hmm. because I don't think it really allows her to have the emotional journey she needs to be able to make the decision in the same way that I think, you know, Barry um, wrote the story on purpose because it's one of the biggest demarcation lines for a teenager, right? Is that moment when you fall in love mm-hmm. and it changes everything, right? And so, but she makes this switch here to say that she wants to grow up. She wants to basically reject the idea of, you know, staying a kid and living in Neverland and everything. But why? I, I don't, I don't feel like they, I don't feel like they do a great job in the movie of really explaining as to why Wendy makes that choice. Um, I mean, I mean, she sees the fact that Peter's not growing up and all that. Um, but then two, she becomes the like hero of the film as well. Like, and so mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I just, it felt disingenuous to me. Well, yeah, I, I think that you rightly did hit on the biggest part of that, which is that I think that the story is trying to focus on other parts of the human experience of growing up and ignore the experience of romantic love for the first time and like self-discovery in that sense. And like, you know, like you said, like that line of demarcation of maturity as well of like, she is now going from no longer being a little girl, but to becoming on her way to becoming a woman. And it is a stark difference. And that that is without a doubt, a an undeniable part of that experience is the experience of romantic love for the first time for another person. So I think that that should have been included. And I think that you really feel the presence of that missing in this movie, even just between her parents. It's like, I just don't get that feeling from any of the characters that I think it should have been there for that. Like you're saying, it also is then something that gives hook more motivation because he wants that. And Mm -hmm. it also is clearly missing with, like we talked about the other female characters in the original animated movie that were um, infatuated with Peter, but that he couldn't ever reciprocate those feelings because he's not mature enough because he doesn't want to grow up. Right. I mean, that's why the whole scene about the kiss started. Yes, exactly. It's like, why even include it if you're not going Mm -hmm. to include the love? Yes. That is a phenomenal point because 100% by taking out the romantic subplot here for, uh, and not really romantic subplot, but just the romantic plot between the two characters, you're actually hurting exactly what it is that um, you're trying to do. Uh, And so I, yeah, I 100% don't understand the, the, the choice here um and i I think it makes the the characters it it makes the characters weaker because they they they're wanting to have them go on this journey this arc and yet they're taking away the things from the original story that actually helped them do that and they're not replacing it with anything that 
actually allows them to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And so I 100% agree with you. I just think there's there's absolutely something missing here. And it's a little bit frustrating that, um, you know, whoever decided to write this story couldn't see that. And and I think part of it, it's almost like a, it, it seems like a, a little bit of a willful ignorance um, to not be able to to see how by changing the fundamental nature of this, uh, you're actually missing something. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think it's, it's very frustrating because two, in all honesty, this really is uh, one of, I mean, I love this story and I've, I've loved it for a really long time. And um, it's kind of sad to see it uh, lost in some ways. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very strange. Um, and I mean, there's a lot of other stuff here, obviously that they, they change, you know, they have uh lost people you know it's not just boys uh here um and which they've i don't know i'll say that part didn't really bother me just because also i think in hook there were some girls intermingled in the the lost boys and so i feel like that term could be kind of all inclusive of like the lost kids (laughs) you know they don't have to all be boys um But I, you know, although I think that there's plenty of things from the 1953 movie that could be changed and that in general, Peter Pan should be a timeless story. um, I think that there are some things here that were changed so much from the core of what you would see in the book or, you know, overall, that's the same from film to film that here are different. It's like you're missing the fabric of what makes Peter Pan, Peter Pan. Right. Yeah. No, I think that's really well said. Um, I think that's really well said. I, I'm interested because the idea of that growing up is the next big adventure, um, was really interesting. And it is, it's something that I think is, I, I look at, you know, the world today and I see, you know, um, a lot of fear, I think, more so than ever for kids in this idea of, of and being terrified, really, of growing up. And then, you know, because of that, making very interesting decisions then about um, how and when and if they, you know, <laughs> will will grow up or, or choose to, to go on that big adventure. And... I think there's something beautiful about even even though I'm very frustrated with the way in which I think they don't quite get it right. Um, that that moment where she her happy memories are all of these memories that haven't happened yet, where she's imagining herself basically growing up and all the things that she's going to do. I think was pretty powerful because, you know, growing up is terrifying. Um, and, you know, I think for, for, for everyone, there's, there's so much that changes for all of us. There's so much that, um, happens, you know, I mean, uh, I only know obviously what it's like to be a boy (laughs) to grow up, but you know, I, I, I can imagine for girls, it's just as terrifying, maybe if not more. And so, 
I really appreciated that this movie did allow us to see that growing up is a is a beautiful thing and it is the biggest adventure um if we will allow ourselves to go on that adventure mhm no i think that was really well said i also enjoyed that scene i think that that was something that it did do well um and definitely gets across that although it is terrifying it's something that we all remember from you know being at that point ourselves in our lives before and yet it's not as terrifying when you realize the amount of freedom that you'll have and all of the options in the world are open to you know the world is your oyster kind of thing so it's like Mm-hmm. Still saying that there's two different ways of looking at growing up. That, yes, it right. could be terrible, but you don't know until you try. And mm-hmm. that the world of possibilities of the options you could choose from can make it a good thing. Right. Well, and and that the beauty of it is that you will get to have all of these experiences that you can't have if you're not willing to go on the journey. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, every journey we take as human beings is scary. And, and yet, because it's the unknown, right? Um, and it's, it's one of my uh, favorite things about uh, the way in which they, they use from, from Hamlet the idea um, in, in Star Trek Six, of of the undiscovered country, and they they use that they, they the undiscovered country is the future, and you know that is kind of what it means to grow up. It is the undiscovered country of our future, you know, and and mm-hmm. but it's the joy of discovering it that makes it makes it enjoyable, makes it fun. Um, so yeah, I I just there was something just really, I think poignant about it and I think all of my complaints earlier were the fact that I I believe that that's one of the the big things to which J.M. Barry is is actually doing in the story right the the story that he's telling is is so much about this idea of, of of growing up and the joys that happen because of us making the tough journey, right? And mm-hmm. um, the 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 this movie, while at some points here doing, I think a, a a good job. It could have been better, especially if they had actually leaned into the way in which, you know, Barry gets there, which I think is is really beautiful. Um, and so I'm fascinated to see how you feel uh, about the cast in this film. And um, I, I would say, uh, you know, specifically for the the boy who plays Peter, because, you know, Peter is the main character, or at least he's supposed to be. Um, and how how do you feel like uh, that this casting went for for the character? 
For Peter, it was kind of a disappointment. Um, For me, I really wanted more from him. And I know, obviously, he's still very young, but I feel like we've had actors that were the same age that did a better job. Mm -hmm. And um, he got better toward the end, but I think from the get-go didn't have the like punchiness um, that I want from Peter that we've experienced from previous iterations of really being like a Mm -hmm. mischievous, um, very animated person. I think that this actor is playing it a little too um, solemn, possibly, um, and emotional and really not getting across the core things that make Peter Pan the kid that everybody loves. Right. Like he's got to draw you in. And, and here I just feel like meh. I I think that you have a really good point there because one of the things that uh, doesn't really, I think work about the portrayal is that, and you nailed it. He isn't the kid who, at first glance, everybody thinks they want to be. Um, you said, I think, a, a great term, solemn, and I think that's that's absolutely it. And, and I think there's a lot, there's a lot of fun missing from this film. Like you know, Neverland and everything is supposed to. There's supposed to be a, a sense of fun, and I don't think it's really here. And um, you know, again, I the the original story in the book is is uh, very melancholy, um, and and yet um, there is a sense of fun and adventure and all that. And I I think that this this casting choice does kind of miss all of that completely, which is um, I don't know, it's it's just very strange, and so. I think one of the things is is that um and and maybe you feel the same way but it it did pretty much feel like you know this movie's called Peter Pan and Wendy and it felt like the movie cared more about Wendy than it did about Peter and that I at least in many ways I think the choice of of actor for Wendy was phenomenal. She did such a good job, and I really liked her. I thought she had a real presence on screen. I think she really brought it to life in a way that um, is is basically everything you'd want. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think that she really gets across, um, especially the emotional scenes. She's able to kind of play that um, innocence of being a young girl still, and also that desire to take the next step in life and get that maturity and do what her parents are wanting for her later on. Whereas in the beginning of the movie, she's still kind of hesitant and likes being there with her brothers and able to really still stay a young girl and not have to fully grow up. So yeah, I think that she absolutely gets everything across that you want to see with Wendy. Um, I think that the only things we didn't like about the movie with her were due to writing, not due to her portrayal. What, uh, can you, I'd love to just kind of hear 
you expound a little bit on that then. Um, what were what were some of the things you felt like with the writing with her that you just weren't a fan of? Uh, specifically the scene where she's supposed to walk the plank, you know, in the animated version, she's saved by Peter, but they're, you know, hiding on the side of the boat underneath the plank. And that's why you don't right. hear the splash. Um, and he's still able to fly and everything. Um, here they have her jump off, but then it's Tink that saves her. Mm-hmm. Peter can't fly anymore. And at some point she catches Peter. Mm-hmm. And it just feels not that it's necessarily wrong to do it that way, but that um, there's not really a reason to more than anything, because she and Tink haven't really formed a bond enough to where I think that Tink is genuinely afraid for her life and will do anything to save Wendy. I would feel like she would do that for Peter because she's known him probably her whole life. Um, And then, you know, with her, with Wendy rescuing Peter, it feels like, why would he need that? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they let the, movie dictate the plot rather than the plot dictate the movie i guess is the expression like we need this to happen so we're going to take away peter's ability to fly so that wendy can catch him Mm -hmm. is that how you felt i think one of the things that you hit on and i I think is a hundred percent correct and it really bothered me too is is that we've we've changed the whole conception of like tinkerbell and like you know what's going on with Tinkerbell and who she is and all of that. And that is very strange. I think in this story, it, it, uh, in the way it's done, it does not make a lot of sense. Um, It it does seem to be completely, it it makes, it makes Tinkerbell a character who has like, doesn't seem to have uh, any motivations. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like she is a character who has her own story as written in the in the book, uh, and that story is is her again being a character who is in love with Peter and can't um can't get that reciprocated right but she's loyal and and to him and and all of that as well and so and and that's again that's what creates the animosity between her and um Wendy you know and mm-hmm. all of these things that really drive the story and again she's left without a lot of motivations um her motivation seems to be she really wants somebody to be able to hear her which you know, again, they, they've they taken this idea of that nobody really understands what she's saying. Um, and I I don't know. Like, I, I'm just left speechless as to what they're trying to do with this character. Because they took away all of her original motivations and then it's gone. And not that they, I mean, the actress was great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as Tinkerbell, I had no issues with it. I thought it was fantastic. You know, what she, everything they asked her to do, I thought she did well. It just, it didn't work. Um, and 
I was actually, as well, lastly, really excited that we had um, Jude Law here as Captain Hook. I thought he would be great in the role, and, you know, I I love him anyway in things, you know, I've fantastic beast movies you know he's so good in the holiday i mean there's Mm -hmm. he's he can be so incredibly charming and everything they give him nothing to do here yeah like it's it's not good like and it's it's not because jude law is bad it's because the way this character is written is so boring and bland and there's nothing for I mean, he can't make it work because there's nothing to make work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think it was so disappointing when you get someone as good as Jude Law. I mean, you could have cast anybody in this role if you're not going to give them anything to do. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, his motivations as a character, everything had nothing to do with Jude Law's portrayal of it. It was all about getting the plot correct and giving characters motivation and stakes to be able to earn what happens. Um, And he didn't have any of that. And so it constantly feels like, especially with hook that you don't understand why he's so angry, why he's willing to go to the lengths of killing children or killing Peter Pan um, or why he then constantly seems like he's aggressively questioning people to no end Mm-hmm. Right. Like you don't get where he's trying to go with the questioning. <laughs> um, twice I remember that, you know, and and I also was kind of sad being such a fan of the animated version that they bring in the crocodile and the clock thing twice a little bit, but it really isn't part of the story. And that was the thing Mm -hmm. that I loved so much about Hook is that he's got this completely insane, irrational fear of clocks because of the crocodile and losing his hand. And it's like his time is running out kind of thing. So that Mm -hmm. was a major motivator before. And now it's reduced to barely being part of the story. So that made me sad. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Um, And I think you're 100 percent right in calling out the fact that the clock is this idea that time is you know a a predator right that that seems to be stalking us and that that which makes this is what makes hook such an interesting character in the book is the fact that he is completely aware of the fact that his life is ticking away Mm-hmm. that time is ticking away and he doesn't have the things that he wants to have uh, and is completely unhappy and be- has become jaded and, and, and angry and all of these things, right? Which is the juxtaposition to the, the person who never wants to grow up. Mm-hmm. And this is what makes the story so much deeper than what we're getting here. And it actually gives an actor of Jude Law's caliber to actually do something with. Mm-hmm. And yet here we're just we're we're really left with nothing. And it's it's actually pretty frustrating um, that that's the case. And so 
yeah, I, I don't understand it. And so, um, so obviously I mentioned earlier, one of my main complaints with hook is kind of the look and the feel of that movie mm-hmm. and the choices that they made in creating Neverland and all. Um, how did you feel that this movie did in that and, you know, creating this place that's supposed to be this, you know, magical, you know, island that every child would want to visit. It is a place that no child would want to visit. It looks dark and sad and scary. <laughs> I don't get the set design for Neverland at all. Um, it seems like it's more of a place that you would go um, in your dreams in a nightmare rather than this welcoming place where no one ever grows up and the sky always has rainbows and everybody wants to be Peter Pan. Um, it's like everything is dark, including the place where the Lost Boys and Peter Pan live. Yeah. And doesn't seem like a place anybody would want to go and that they're all just sad. So, yeah, I I really didn't get why they went that direction with it. I think that in every iteration, there was some element of that at some point. But that was always the scenes to accentuate Hook's character being mm-hmm. the darkness and the melancholy and things like that. And otherwise, everything was very bright and upbeat because that's the personality of a child. Everything mm-hmm. is great. Right. I don't have to grow up. Are you kidding me? Awesome. Yeah, I think that's really well said. Um, I, I think it's it is interesting to me, um, you know, how much uh, seems to be missing from this. I, I I'm I did enjoy the the like the cinematography and everything of, of where they filmed. I thought it was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, I they they don't really give us anything to hold on to in the sense of like, why would I want to go here? Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the the whole point of this uh, it should be um, that I want to go to there. Right. Like it's a child's dream place. Exactly. And, you know, I, I don't think, and I think you have, have really kind of nailed it is like, that does not feel like that would be the case is that that you would look at this place and think to yourself i would want to go here and the fact that that you know peter wouldn't want to leave it right like and so um and and i yeah it just it was a uh, there's just a lot of strange choices that i think um happen in the film that I, I was also perplexed by. And, and part of that had to, to do with um, this the design work of, of what we're, we're doing here. Um, it was just very odd. Um, so I, yeah. Um, I, uh, one, one last thing I did want to ask you uh, about this was, you know, with the animated version, of course, you've got all of these wonderful songs that are uh, in the story, and you know, so there's a lot of there's a lot of music um, and and very you know very popular music, right? Uh, that has uh, you know become part of the cultural zeitgeist, um, 
you know, from, you know, you can fly, you can fly to all of those type of things. And so how, how did you feel uh, like the composer did in kind of creating the soundscape musically here, especially since they do refer to uh, and there's some of the refrains in there from you know the the original uh animated with with some of the some of the songs especially you can fly making their way into the movie here um just through the score so i liked the slight reference to you can fly i didn't catch any other reference to the original disney music other than that one um, I mean, I think that there's some from the 1953 movie we can do without. Um, but I think that you can fly is essential to me anyway. Um, so I was glad that that was in there, but I think that, um, missing a song like Wendy's, um, your mother and mine, something with some emotional depth would have been nice. I was kind of surprised that they took away the song like that. Um, but put in songs for the pirates. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like it was okay, but it wasn't really the kind of thing I was looking for for Peter Pan. I needed something yeah. more positive and uplifting and emotionally moving. Yeah, I, I think that's a really. I think that is a really good point. I think that there is, uh, it does seem like there's a lot missing here um, when it comes to just creating a, a sound for, for this world and uh, the, like, again, I think it comes down to what you were saying with the look and the feel of the film is, is creating this place that feels like a, a place you want to be, you want to visit, you know, you you want to um, be a part of, and then none of what they're doing here, I think, it, it just not, it just not as, as good as you would hope it would be. Um, I think the, it's it's fine, but it's not, it's not bringing the story to life in a way that's really um, inviting, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, which is disappointing because, you know, it's it's such a, you know, the Disney musicals do such a great job with that. And I will also say, too, um, one of the things that really sets, I think, the... Uh, 2003 version apart is the way in which it was able to create uh, an incredibly beautiful piece of music uh, for when they're flying to Neverland. Hmm. Um, It's gorgeous. Um, James Newton Howard did the music for that and he just created a theme that if you hear it, it'll get stuck in your head and it's, it's, it's really beautiful and it captures the the vibrancy that you want, right? When it comes to the idea of going to Neverland, like mm-hmm. the joy of it, um, the wind so, in your sails yeah. and the pixie dust under your bow. Hundred, yes, <laughs> yes, no. I, I, that's a great. I, I mean, again, that I think that's just a great way to put it. So, well, I, 
I'm really interested, Christy, where you're going to go with the ratings here for Peter Pan and Wendy. So I do feel that I really gave it every chance that I could um, and that I'm open to reinterpretations of stories that have been around a long time. I mean, clearly the novel came out in the early 1900s, as they say. <laughs> um and then the the Disney movie that I knew first came out in 1953. So it's been around for quite a while. So obviously there's going to be retellings of this story over and over again. But here I think that if you're going to name it Peter Pan and Wendy, there's certain things that still have to stay the same in order for it to be part of that universe and to make sense that it's these characters and that, that there's some major things here that were not kept the same that should have been. And I felt like you and I both felt that way. And that, you know, not having something as big as the maturity you get through experiencing romantic love for the first time featured at all is really surprising to me. Mm -hmm. And that there's still a way that you can give Wendy her own independence and agency and include that. Yeah. Um, just like they did include the version of her teaching the boys and girls about being, you know, having a mother or being a mother possibly one day. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that you needed a stronger actor to play Peter. Yeah. You've got to have somebody that captivates people and especially kids and makes them want to be him. And I think here it was just kind of boring. Um, mm -hmm. same thing about Neverland, you know, he said, it, like, it's gotta be a place that every kid is dying to go. And here right. it feels like, why would anyone go there? <laughs> Everyone's trying to kill you and it's dark. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think there's just a lot of things that I really wanted to be better and I gave it a chance and it just didn't hold up. Um, so ultimately I really end up kind of on the low end on this one. Um, and I'm going to give it a two and a half out of five um, missing crocodiles because he was there for a minute and then he was gone. Um, I think that someone needs to speak to the writers and say, maybe next time <laughs> there's a couple of things that you should have kept. Yeah. I mean, I think that's all really fair. And, uh, you know, I, this movie ended and I was just kind of mad. Um, I, I think it's not a good film. I think that it. I have no problems with kind of taking and doing something interesting. Again, this is where I think Hook takes the idea and instead of just recreating Peter Pan, um, it tells a story based off of the story we know. Mm -hmm. And then it goes in new directions, which is great. You know, um, my favorite live action Disney retelling is the one that they did for Cinderella because it it finds a way to honor everything that we love about that story as told by Disney, but tweak it in a way that makes it feel different from what you've seen before. Mm -hmm. So... Good on them with Peter Pan for not just doing a straight-up remake of the animated story. But by changing the story here, they've actually lost what made the story good in the first place. 
And it's frustrating. It's not good. And I'm going to give this one and a half out of five stars. It's just not worth your time. Just watch the animated remake. Um, or maybe we'll have some recommendations for people, Christy, uh, that uh, people will want to catch up with. So what are you going to recommend to everybody here in the 602 Club? So uh, I have been rewatching something lately with my husband that we just get so much joy out of every time we put it on and it's all on Hulu so we can pick up anytime and rewatch it. But we really enjoy watching Modern Family. If you've never watched it, I definitely recommend checking it out because it talks about different people's family experience and how it all combines together and that everyone can have a different kind of family and that's okay. Um, especially speaking as someone who has several cousins and um, nieces and nephews that are adopted. Um, I think that, you know, you don't have to have biological children to love them just the same. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes things happen that kids can't control, like divorce and remarriage and whatever, and that there's still a way to make a family out of it. So um, I think that it's a really positive way of showing that families come in all shapes and sizes so yeah and it's really funny so yeah if you haven't checked out modern family please watch it nice uh well i'm going to recommend that everybody go instead of watching peter pan and wendy go watch peter pan from 2003 mm -hmm. uh it's fantastic it is so much better than this version and it is one that actually honors uh the book and the play as originally written and I would also suggest going back and reading the book because I think you'll be so surprised as to just how deep the story really is, which is one of my favorite things. So both of those are much better uses of time than Peter Payne and Wendy. But Christy, if people wanted to catch up with you, where would they find you? You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd at Bespin Bell. And of course, over on the Skywalking Through Neverland Network, I did a show with Amanda and Teresa called Sabres and Spells. And uh, then, of course, you can find me, too, in the Babel Conference sometimes. So uh, what about you? Well, uh, you could find me all over uh, social media under the name Matt Rushing Zero Two, Twitter, Instagram, Letterbox, Vero are all the places you will find me. Uh, places I'm most active. You'll also find me here on the network outside the Six O Two Club with a bunch of different shows. Uh, we've got Literary Treks about the books and the comics of Star Trek: The Orb about Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, and that's our 30th anniversary rewatch right now. We've got Warp Five about our 20th anniversary rewatch of Enterprise. Saddle Up, which is coming right back um, here in June. So you'll get the new season as we talk about that and you catch up with all of our old episodes. And of course, Star Trek Picard just ended and we talked all about season three on the Artificial Tango. Over on the Nerd Party Network, uh, I've got two shows. One is called Owl Post, did that with Dre Kaufman. Every single chapter of the Harry Potter series, one chapter at a time. And then last but not least, you can find Aggressive Negotiations, which is a Star Wars podcast, what I do with the great John Mills, and it, we just have a blast talking Star Wars all the time. So, But thank you, as always, so much for joining us. And all it takes is faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust. Thank <laughs> you.